Good morning, everybody, and a very warm welcome for me. It's great to be with you guys again on this Remembrance Sunday. Um, I'm going to try not to be too long this morning, but it's me. Um, we'll see how we go. I'll do my best. So we continue in our series following in the footsteps of Jesus. And uh, as we've already heard from Gary, that uh, following Jesus can be interesting sometimes. It can take you to places that you never thought that you would go to. And it can result in you doing the kind of things which may not even be your first choice. And it's not necessarily easy. But I want to think a little bit this morning just about what it means to be a follower. And in fact, what kind of follower of Jesus we should be looking to be. But just for a start, I want you to think for a minute this morning. um, uh, Because I was wondering if we took a poll this morning about who was the best football team. Um, who would come out tops, um, and how heated our discussion and debate might be as to whose uh, particular favourite might be. I know that some of you are far more passionate about this than others are, but I was just wondering, is there somebody for who, for you, there's a clear winner today? Or maybe what about other categories as well? There's personalities or sports stars or actors or musicians or even politicians, celebrities and people who you get excited about and whose cause you want to stand up and uphold and defend this morning. Who's the one who for you would be your best ever? In whatever category we chose, whose merits would you want to extol and what would it be about them that you get passionate about? And why would that be? So I want us to think for a few minutes this morning and to encourage us just to reflect on our motivations for following others and maybe to help us ask the questions that need to be asked from time to time. As to whether the adherence to a person or a team or a cause is rightly placed and even if it is, whether our motives are always right in the way that we place them. As we were hearing in our reading this morning, Jesus in his earthly ministry was rarely short of followers. Wherever he went, crowds turned up and people flocked to him, sometimes to the extent that he couldn't actually minister properly. And as we heard this morning, there's times where he had to make a strategic withdrawal, get away, uh, sometimes by boat to a quiet place. But I want to help us consider some of those characters in the crowds that surrounded him and see what we might learn from them as we continue uh, to be those that are following in the footsteps of Jesus this morning. And then the first group I want to think about, I'm going to call them onlookers. These are the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. Neil spoke really well about them last week and described them as the pantomime baddies that are always hanging around Jesus like a bad smell. They always seem to be there as part of the crowds, but of course they're not there because they're eager to hear from Jesus and listen to his teaching. They're not even there to see if God might have something new to say to them. No, they're ultimately there just to spy on Jesus. They're there to make sure he teaches God's law as they understand it and that he doesn't do anything that breaks God's law, that he doesn't win over the crowds by his demonstration of the Spirit's power and they're there to find ways to undermine him, to 
prove that it can't be you people say it is. They're there because they're jealous of him. And they're there because he threatens the power and control that they have. He threatens the respect in which they're held. And because he undermines the status quo and it makes them uncomfortable. So although they're present, although they're observing, they're not really following at all. I don't know about you, but sadly, in my experience, I've come across quite a few people that go to church in my time who seem to have a similar heart, even if it's for slightly different reasons. You know the ones, they can always tell you what's wrong with a church rather than what's right. You can always find the one line in a song or a sermon that wasn't expressed quite well enough and who focus on that rather than anything that was true and good in what was said or sung. These are the ones that know that the church would be so much better, more efficient, more godly, more biblical if things were just done the way that they see it. Now, don't hear me wrong, there's plenty of room in church for disagreement and differing opinions. The Apostle Paul talked about the fact that, to a degree, there's got to be different opinions amongst us because we they keep us on our toes and they force us to wrestle to discern the mind of Christ in all that we're doing. But if you find yourself ever constantly critical of what's going on, always looking for what isn't right, It's time maybe to ask God to examine our motives. And whenever we find ourselves at odds with our brothers and sisters, remember to ask yourself first how you can best love them before you seek to try and change them. And then the second group I want to think about this morning among Jesus' followers, I'm going to call fans. These are the ones that love the spectacle of Jesus. They love the miracles and the healings, the demonstrations of power, but who are in danger of being in it for what they can get rather than what they can give. These are the ones that are after a wow factor. They love a Jesus who comes close and makes them feel good, who fixes all the problems and the broken bits of life. Gary was saying this morning, wasn't he, about Don't expect Jesus to always be fixing your problems for you. In our passage today, we see those who needed spiritual direction and should have come to him for teaching and guidance. Instead, they're crowding in on him for the physical healing he could give. It's interesting, isn't it? The same thing often happened to Jesus. It happened the day after the feeding of the 5,000 when a massive crowd followed him round to the other side of the lake. And when Jesus saw them, He chastised them for not seeking him for the words he was given, but for a free lunch again. There will always be those that follow Jesus for the wrong reason. Now the mass of people crowding in on Jesus in this morning's passage, they've come for their own selfish reasons largely, although it's interesting that Jesus doesn't actually send them away. But they're crowding in on him and it's a riotous moment where everyone's out for themselves. It's worth noting here, I think, that this is not a Jesus of Nazareth film moment. This is not Robert Powell on some beautiful green hillside speaking in dulcet tones to an adoring audience. This is riotous and pushing and shoving and clamouring to be the first to touch him. 
so that he has to grab a boat and push offshore. And these fans, they're people that love the idea of Jesus. They come to a healer and a provider, and they like certain aspects of what he stands for. They love a kind and gentle Jesus, an understanding and non-judgmental Jesus, who gives freely but who asks for nothing in return. The one who loves them despite their sin and does only good for them. The one who rescues them from harm and never asks them to take a risk. A Jesus who heals but never asks me to change my lifestyle. Who overlooks what others judge but never says to anybody, go and sin no more. They want a Jesus who leads them beside still waters but never asks them to carry a cross. One who welcomes them into heaven but who doesn't really mean it when he says that there'll be those that are left outside. So how do you know if you're a fan or a follower? Well, I'm going to suggest a few statements to you and ask you, have you ever heard of these or or been tempted to go there yourself? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I was following Jesus, but he didn't heal me. It doesn't work. There's no point. He let me down. Or maybe I was following Jesus, but the church treated me too badly. It didn't look after me well enough. It wasn't done the way I thought it should be. Or maybe I was following Jesus, but actually it was costing me too much. Thinking about Gary again, all the way over there in Cyprus, uh, uprooting his family and taking them halfway around the world to follow Jesus in the role that God's called him to. But there are those who, for following Jesus like that, it's just too costly. There are all these things that he wanted to change that I wasn't ready for. Or maybe just simply, I was following Jesus because I thought he would do this thing for me. And he didn't. But if you've ever been tempted to think in that way, I'd suggest that in all these cases, we weren't really following Jesus at all. We were looking for something else and not for him. The Apostle Paul again talked about following Jesus in such a way that we've learned to be content in every circumstance and despite whatever problems and difficulties we might experience. Where we appreciate the huge privilege of belonging without counting the cost of what we've left behind. You see, following Jesus shouldn't be on a transactional basis. It shouldn't be about, I do this, therefore he must do that, or I'll follow him if he does this for me. Following Jesus can't be just because he heals me, or he keeps me safe, or he provides for me. He shelters me, he gives me a home, he gives me a sense of purpose, and he gives me hope and a future. It can't be for those reasons. He does all of these things and much, much more. But if these are the reasons that we're following him, then what happens when they're taken away? What happens when things don't quite match up to our hope and our expectation? You see, following Jesus has to be because he alone is God. He is the way. 
He's the one who's maker. He's sovereign. He's sustainer. He's redeemer. He's rescuer. And he's the only one who's worthy of all honour. And ultimately the only one who's worthy of our allegiance. And just quickly, I want to think about my final group. The third group I want to think about this morning. And to suggest that these are the kind of followers that we really want to be. And not surprisingly, I'm going to refer to them as disciples. In verse 13 of Mark 3, we heard it read earlier that Jesus went up on a mountainside away from all the clamour and the riot and the crowds. He went away from the onlookers and the fans and he called to himself those he specifically wanted. And when he called them, they came to him. Now I want to suggest that in a really real sense, Jesus' call had already gone out to those that had come to him previously. As recorded in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, Jesus said that many are called and yet few were chosen. And Jesus puts out a call to the whole world to come and experience the salvation he's won for them. But the world hears it in one of two different ways. Firstly, there's a way of hearing Jesus' call that he's just heard externally. The onlookers and the fans both heard this external call and they responded to it externally as well. They heard the message. They witnessed the miracles. But their response was either to reject its invitation or to embrace it, but only on an external level. So we get, I'll have some of that healing, please, Jesus. Can I have some of that? Or, yes, please, I'll have a free meal. Thank you. But the ones who get chosen by Jesus are the ones who respond from the heart. The ones who respond not just to an external call, not just to what they hear with their ears. But the ones who respond to the internal call, who recognize who Jesus really is. I find it fascinating that of all of those crowding Jesus on the shore and clamoring to touch him in this morning's passage, the only ones who actually seem to get who he is are the demons. They fall to the ground and cry out. You are the son of God. Of course, they do it out of recognition of their creator and their conqueror. But they understand that when you're faced with the king of the universe, the only place to be is on your knees in awe. And it's those that respond to this internal call, this heart recognition of who he is that Jesus is looking for. These are the ones who become true disciples, followers not for what they receive, but out of recognition that he is both where they belong, but also who they belong to. Those that respond to this call get chosen. Those that recognise the real Jesus are invited to help him share the real gospel of participation in the kingdom that's available to all that will receive it. They get invited to be with him, verse 14 tells us, and to learn from him and to be sent out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons even. They are those that carry an authority that comes not as an add-on to the message, but as part of the package that comes from accepting Jesus' loving authority in their lives. 
So those that come under the authority of Jesus, he gives the invitation to help him share that authority both in word and deed. The signs and wonders that the fans are desperate for are not the gospel, but they are part of the gospel and part of what it means to be Jesus' disciples. And for those of us that are responding to Jesus from the heart that he has chosen to be with him, that have heard this internal call, he reminds us this morning that to be a disciple is to follow in his footsteps and to share the message and to do the works that he would do and have us do. So just in closing this morning, I want to think about Jesus' final words in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where he reminded his disciples again of who he was. He was the one to whom all authority had been given. He truly is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the very Son of God, who demons fear and angels serve. And then he sent his followers to make disciples of all nations and to baptize and to teach them to obey everything he commanded them. And of course that's our commission too. And as those who've responded to this call from our hearts, who've been chosen to be with him, who've received the Holy Spirit who bears witness to our spirits that we're his. Let's do this. Let's follow in his footsteps and preach his good news and proclaim his kingdom, not because of what we gain, but because of all he is and all that he's done on our behalf. Let's be those that follow Jesus as the only one who's worthy of our allegiance. Let's pray together briefly. Lord, help us to be those kind of followers who recognise who you are. Lord, it is astounding that King of Kings and Lord of Lords that you are. You are still the one who loves to call people close to you. He wants to teach them all the things and all of the truth of your kingdom. You're still the one who welcomes us in as friends. And Barbie's on the beach with us, Lord. But never let us lose sight of the fact that you are the awesome King of Heaven. And the one whose kingdom is advancing. And with whom we can participate in that advancement. Lord, help us to preach your truth with great conviction, great authority and great power. Lord, help us to speak even to those forces of darkness that stand against you and watch them flee as declaring the truth of your sovereignty. They are forced to bow down and acknowledge that you are the Lord. But Lord, we willingly bow the knee. We choose to follow you. Lord, help us to keep our motives pure and our ways right. Lead us on, Lord God, as you always will, into the fullness 
of all that you are and all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.